The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we conclude Elder Tim McCoo's message regarding the candlestick and the showbread. This message was taken from Hebrews chapter 9 and refers us back to the arrangement of certain items in the temple in Jerusalem. God commanded the Jews to put certain things in that temple, including the candlestick and the showbread, and he did it for a reason. While we may think that those items and those arrangements mean nothing to us today, in reality, They were great symbols pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross. You may recall that Jesus himself said in John 5, 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. The scriptures he's referring to is the Old Testament scriptures. In those scriptures, we find beautiful pictures of the coming Christ. We're blessed to be able to look back on his sacrifice, but the Jews of that day were being pointed forward to his sacrifice. The candlestick and the showbread are wonderful symbols of ultimately what Christ would do and what he would have in his church. Today, Elder Tim McCoo concludes this message by focusing upon the showbread. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
very quickly, let's look to the second item as we close our thoughts here tonight. To the north, remember to the south, is the candlestick that lights up the Holy of Holies and it lights up the showbread. And to the north, you have the table of the showbread. And this is an interesting word, and I'm going to let you in. If you hadn't already heard it on the podcast or been at Bethlehem, I'm going to let you in on how I stumbled on this. And I've been, I was trapped in the temple for many, many days of study and just standing there oohing and eyeing over what I was seeing in the temple. So we have here the showbread. It also means the bread of the presence. It means the bread of the face. And one of the commentaries, Hastings, says that it was a word coined by Tyndale. Tyndale was a man who came up with a Bible translation before the King James translation, and he was murdered for it. But Tyndale coined a lot of phrases that we're familiar with that were new words, like Passover. That's a word that was unheard of. Uh, Tyndale, in the English language, coined that phrase, Passover. That's why we still use it today. Atonement, at one month. That's a word that Tyndale coined. And the, and the King James translators used it. He also coined showbread. And it literally means it was always in the presence and the sight of the Lord. Easton's Bible commentary says it was the presence bread. Now, this is, you say, well, that is the farthest thing from any of us to be able to relate to. Is it? Listen to what the presence bread was. God said, build me a table. Overlay it with gold. Put edges on that table so no crumbs of this bread will fall off. Not one single crumb of the bread will be left out. And every week, put fresh bread on that table. Now, you say, well, that's just strange. Well, if you were a pagan back in those days, which, by the way, all of us would have been, uh, it was very common for the pagans to bring food and drink to their pagan false gods. They'd come and you may have seen some movies like that. I've seen some movies like that where they were worshiping false gods and they would bring a, a drink or they would bring something you know, to eat for the god as if the God was hungry, and set it before them. Now, I'm telling you, God didn't get that from the pagan practice. I'd rather think that the pagans got that from this. <laughs> so they would, they would bake bread, the priests would, and guess how many there were? There were 12. How many tribes of Israel? 12. All the tribes of God, all the people of God were represented in that bread. And he set six loaves here. And he set six loaves in line there, and they faced the temple. They faced the Holy of Holies. The candelabra, the church of God, should be shining its light, beaming towards the Holy of Holies and from the Holy of Holies. And the showbread was set so that it would face the Holy of Holies. What did Jesus say that he was when he came here? <laughs> he said, I am the bread of God. You know what that bread, you want to know what that bread is? It is, it is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. He said, I am the bread of God. You eat of me and you drink of me. He says, you eat of my flesh and you're one of mine. <laughs> now that sounds like, almost like a cannibal or something, doesn't it? You know? He's speaking spiritually. He's speaking, yes, he's speaking metaphorically, but he's also speaking of it in a real way that when Christ died, he had all of the tribes of his children, all of their sins contained within him. He is the bread of God. The only way that we get into the Holy of Holies is the bread of God gets into the Holy of Holies. Now, how in the world did I come across this? I was studying Ephesians, the first chapter and the 11th verse, brother buddy, where it says that we are predestinated. We have an inheritance and we are predestinated according to the purpose of God, of Him. And that word purpose, if you look up the definition of it, it is showbread. 
And I was confused. I had to study on it for a long time and try to figure that out. What? It mean, purpose means show. And if you'll look it up, it occurs 12 times in the New Testament. And about eight of those times, it says purpose, purpose, purpose. And then about four of those times, like in Hebrews 9 and 2, it says showbread. So I'm thinking, what is, how does that relate to us? Well, let's just do a little exercise here. According, uh, in, we, for we have an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of God. Being predestinated according to the showbread of God is literally how you could say it. Who is the showbread? It is Christ Jesus. So we are predestinated. He has set our destination. You know, that's a, that's a byword to some people. They can't stand it. But it is part, you know, that's the only thing that's mentioned twice there in those first 11 verses. It's the only point of doctrine that is mentioned twice. I believe that tells me that we need to know twice as much about it. Because it would be one of those lost truths, one of those forgotten things. It says that we are predestinated according to the purpose of God. The word purpose means showbread. So Christ is the bread of God. So we are predestinated according to Christ, you see. According to Him who had our best interests in mind when we were His enemies. You see? He saved you on purpose. That's what the showbread says. How many loaves of bread was it? It was 12, which indicated the 12 tribes of Israel, which in the New Testament, that symbol points us to all of the people of God. You see? So not only does the showbread point to Christ... It also points to the people of God. And brothers and sisters, there's not one crumb, not one child of God that will be left out away from God's table. You see? He saved you on purpose. Now I want you to think about that. There's a lot of people out there in the world today, and a lot of young people that I run into, they just don't understand what their purpose is. I've struggled with that, you know, trying to find your identity. You know, there was a time in my life when I thought I was God's next gift to the music industry. <laughs> I really thought that. I, I, a little bit of, a lot of an ego problem there. You know, I just thought I was God's, going to be God's next best gift to the music industry. I had to go through some, some desert training to, to get that out of me. But I thought the perp my purpose in life was to sing. And then there's other people that think their purpose is to do this, to do that, to do the other. Regardless of what you do, whether you're a farmer, a doctor, a lawyer, uh, whatever, a teacher, whatever, an accountant, you name it, a homemaker, a keeper at home, whatever you may be, your purpose is to glorify God. Because God has purpose to save you, you see? You want a purpose in life, you look to what God's purpose for your ultimate destination is. It's to be with Him in glory. That's enough for me right there. 2 Peter 3 and 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now some people look at that and they're terrified. Oh no, you know, the, the earth's going to burn up. There's a lot of people going around the world right now saying that already for a different reason global warming you know it's going to burn up if we don't do this or do that let me tell you child of God the earth, the earth and the universe is on a destination for complete 
annihilation. The Lord is going to melt it all because it's His and He can. But you have nothing to fear. Because as the showbread of God, as you being the people of God, as you being in Christ, who is the bread of God, you're not going to be burned up in that. You see? Even the wicked are not going to be burned up in that. They're going to be reserved for judgment in the lake of fire. And the showbread of God, the people of God, are going to be deposited with God in heaven. <laughs> if you could keep that in your mind at all times, what different would you do in your life? <laughs> How different would you look at other people and say, well, that person offended me or that person hurt me or I, you know, I get off, we, we get off track so easy, don't we? But if you could keep in your mind, I am the showbread of God and I'm going along uh, in the lampstand of God, the church of God, sh holding up the light of God and my per sole purpose is to glorify God no matter what I do with my life. I tell you, it makes a difference. And if you look up there at Washington, D.C., or let's see, north. If you look up there in Washington, D.C., and you think, oh, I just can't stand it. It just gets all, all over me. I'll give you a different perspective. I'll tell you, one of these days, Washington, D.C., just like Montgomery, Alabama, just like Zion, Alabama, just like any place in, in America, in the world, it's going to burn. It's reserved to be burned. Destination? Atomic fire. Probably something greater than atomic fire. But you understand that the very atoms and molecules around you, split one of them, split two of them, and you have a Hiroshima. Split them all. What do you have? Complete melting of the elements. The very power that exists to destroy this world is floating around you in microscopic little elements. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Check it out. But I do think there's going to be something worse than atomic fire. It's going to be like a fire fire. <laughs> it's going to be fire and brimstone type fire. Something that's a greater power that we've never even seen. It's going to be the word of God. and He's going to speak and all those things are just going to let go. If you could walk around with that knowledge in your mind, would you hold the grudge? Would you be upset at Washington? Would you be upset at Montgomery? Or would you just focus on holding the lampstand up a little bit higher? You see? What if one glimpse of those things? What if I could take you back before the foundation of the world and I could say, hey, you know, if you want to read, I know it's, it's good fiction. I know it's fiction. But one of my favorite writings of C.S. Lewis is The Magician's Nephew. Uh, whenever uh, Diggory, the, the young fella, gets into this different world and it's the world that Aslan, who is the type of Christ for C.S. Lewis, he's creating that world. I've wept over that many times and just thought, my goodness, isn't that amazing just to see what it might be like to stand there as the foundations of the world are made. <laughs> and by the way, it's the lion singing. <laughs> and the more he sings, the more there's creation. I think that's a beautiful imagery now. Y'all may disagree with me, but I love it. <laughs> it's good fiction. <laughs> What if I could take you before the foundation of the world where the lion of the tribe of Judah stood and it was like child's play and he made the earth and he made all that is therein and before he made that, before the foundation of the world, he had you in mind as the bread of God. What if I could take you back to the shores of the Red Sea and you could look upon the Egyptians as they washed upon the shore as everybody pretty much said, we're dead, we're dead as they scurried across, even as they scurried across the, the dry land there and the water was on both sides like a jailed wall. What if I could take you back there to the shores of the Red Sea and say, look, look, look what God has done. Look at how much God loved His people. Would it take that? 
What if I took you to the foot of Mount Sinai as the thunderings and the lightnings there? And, you know, I know you've all seen probably the Ten Commandments, you know, Charlton Heston. But there's one thing that they miss in there. Before God spoke to Moses in that movie, Charlton Heston, you know, Charlton Heston is not Moses. Okay, guys. But before God spoke to Moses, he actually spoke to all the people. He spoke to them and he said, this is what I require. And the people said it was so bad and it was so scary. Moses, go and tell him not to speak to us anymore. You go be our representative. Forty days and forty nights later. They're having a drunken party and doing horrible things that I can't even speak of in the pulpit. What if I could take you to the precipice of the promised land as Moses pronounced the blessings from Mount Gerizim and he pronounced the cursings from the bald mountain, Mount Ebal. If you do this, God's going to curse you. If you do this, God's going to bless you. What if I could take you to the ruins of Jerusalem as you looked upon the judgment of God that had completely taken away that economy, that nation in the days of Nebuchadnezzar? What if I could take you to the edge of the fire pit as Nebuchadnezzar looked over in the fire and he said, did not we cast three men down there? And there's four men down there and one of them looks like the Son of God. <laughs> Maybe you'd be like me. You might be fickle like me. It might not do any good. But what if we could go there and see those things? What difference would it make? as the showbread of God, as the lampstand of God. Will we be engaged in those petty little differences anymore? Will we be worried about the politics as much as we are? Will we be worried about all the different things that affect us? I think we'd have a little bit straighter vision. So I think instead of taking you to all those places, I think I'd just take you to the foot of the cross. That's the pinnacle of all history. The foot of the cross, and gaze upon the man of God, the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the mediator, as he hangs there suspended between heaven and earth with all of your sins and my sins laid upon him in the most unfair display of justice that has ever existed on the planet. The just one goes and pays for my sins and for your sins. And not only that, the Lord pours out his wrath upon him and the earth trembles and the rocks break and they crack open and earthquakes come and the darkness falls upon the land. Oh, you know, it said there, oh, there was a little island not a thousand miles or so in those days from um, about a thousand miles from Jerusalem. And it says on that day in their history books that they wrote down that a God must have died. Because the day went dark in the middle of the day, they had it right, didn't they? Not a God that died, but the God died. Oh, child of grace, if the showbread of God doesn't make a difference for us, I don't think anything will. <laughs> so the next time you're upset at politics or you're upset at somebody or you're thinking about holding those grudges or you're thinking about, well, so-and-so didn't do right, so-and-so didn't act right or whatever, just position yourself at the foot of the cross for a little while. And gaze upon the Son of God. And look what He did for you. I believe it will make a difference. As we close, I told you as you went in that sanctuary from the east to the west, to the south was the lampstand. To the north was the showbread. I think there's significance in that too. Think with me for just a moment. Maybe is it 3D or 4D? I don't know. I'm not very good at the Ds. But when we're standing here on earth... We think, not only do we think, well, this is north right here. Go north and get in your car. We also think of this right here as north, don't we? Up is north. That's how we think. You know, the North Pole. <laughs> you know, you think about north. Going up is north. Going south is down. Then you can see that in the, in the Bible. It's, it's in the Bible, too. Speaking of uh, up, the heavens being north. 
Don't you know there's a reason that that showbread was positioned on the north side of the sanctuary? And don't you know that that showbread that the 12 tribes were represented in, and in a greater way, you, the children of God, are represented in those 12 loaves. I tell you, it was on the north because that's where Christ was always seen as, to the north in the heavens on the right hand of God. And there's a reason why that lampstand was to the south. If you think about the north being up and in the heavens, you think about the south being on this earth, you think about it being right here and right now, and that lampstand is positioned firmly on, the earth, on this earth that God has made. You see? Now, if I hadn't quite convinced you that the bread represents you, let me just leave you with this. What are we going to do when we get to heaven? If you read the book of Revelation, it says, come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's not just going to be any kind of supper. It's going to be a marriage supper. Come see the bride the, the wife of God. You are the wife of God. You are the bride of Christ. The child of God is the bride of Christ. And I'll tell you, if God was hungry like the heathen gods, they thought they were hungry, and they bring them food and drink, if your God was physically hungry, He would say, the cattle of a thousand hills are mine. I don't need you to bring me food and drink. But I'll tell you this, child of God, it's the showbread, it is the bread, because our God is hungry. He's hungry for you. He's hungry for your presence. You're going to be with him. Now, I'm not saying when you get to heaven, he's going to eat you. <laughs> That'd be scary, wouldn't it? I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, God is going to feast on the showbread, which is your presence in heaven. I got conned. That's probably not a good word. I got challenged into reading a book by one of our church members. I'm letting all my secrets out. If you ask me to read a book, I'm going to read it. It might take me five years. But if you ask me to read it, I know there's a reason for it. And when Brother McNeil Honey challenged me to read this book, I knew there was a reason for it. I was searching for that reason all through the book as I was reading it. It's only 750 pages. Dostoevsky, the Brothers Karamazov. And that book is, you've got to push through it. Brother Jim and I are talking about pushing through books. and You've got to push through that book. And it's got all kinds of stuff going on. The guy was amazing. Amazing. Charles Dickens would have been in his kindergarten class getting instructed by this guy. He's so complex in his writing. But as I pushed on and I pushed on and I loved it, it was great. 700-something pages worth of loving it. All these different things going on. Well, I finally realized why he wanted, to read, uh, wanted me to read it on the last page, the last three paragraphs. And I'm like, why didn't you just tell me that? I could have skipped to the end. <laughs> so one of the themes in that book is a little boy who is sick. And he has been at odds with his other little classmates. He's probably 11 years old. And I'll tell you now, it's fiction, but Brother Chris, it's good fiction. <laughs> so Dostoevsky writes about this little boy. It's one of the themes. And the little boy's death is imminent. And all of his little friends who he was at odds with have, have made up with him. And so he dies. And one of the brothers, Karamazov, is a preacher. And as they're leaving the funeral, it's the last three paragraphs of the book. <laughs> as they're leaving the funeral, one of the little boys that went to the funeral that made up with his friend that died, this is what he says. He looks at the preacher and he says, Karamazov, can it be true what's taught us in religion that we shall all rise again from the dead and shall live and see each other again and everyone and Ilyosha too, the little boy? 
And the preacher, Karamazov, responds and says, Certainly we shall all rise again. Certainly we shall see each other and shall tell each other with joy and gladness all that has happened. <laughs> he answered, half laughing, half enthusiastic. And the little boy, and this was worth the whole 750 pages, the little boy says, Ah, how splendid that will be. <laughs> I've lost little friends. Have you? <laughs> I've lost old friends. I've lost new friends. But how splendid it will be to be back with them together. That's why the graves face east, you see. Because when Christ died on the cross, he came into the temple through the Spirit of God from the east to the west, split the temple, split the veil in two, entered the Holy of Holies, penetrated it forever, and went back to the true Holy of Holies in heaven to the right hand of God. You see? Now you, as the lampstand, as the church of God, Hold up the light of God. Shine forth to the Holy of Holies and say that it's paid. He did it. We have access. The church of God is the Holy of Holies and is the showbread of God. You are the food of God to satiate the hunger of God in heaven one day. I wonder, are you being tasty right now? Are you tasty to the Lord? Are you a savor of life or are we being a savor of death? It's going to be splendid one day, as the little boy said. You know what? It can be splendid now. <laughs> How? In the church of God, as the lampstand of God, living as the showbread of God. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.